Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, the fourth chapter, verses 16 through 30. Hear now the word of the Lord. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do here also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah when the heavens was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine all over the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. May God bless our understanding of this sacred text, and will you pray with me now? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I have to admit that as a preacher, it's hard not to read this text as a reminder that preaching can actually be a dangerous vocation. I can't help but wonder how many preachers will be in danger of getting hurled off a cliff, metaphorically anyway, as they dare to proclaim the gospel during election season. But I digress. Jesus has just read a humdinger of a scripture. Chosen from the book of Isaiah, the passage he claims to fulfill establishes that God cares deeply for the downtrodden and that he is the, the one anointed by God to deliver the fantastic news 
that their lot is about to get infinitely and eternally better. So far, so good. The people of Nazareth are initially kind of jazzed at the notion that the seemingly ordinary son of Joseph might be something special in the eyes of God. Who doesn't like to see the kid down the block grow up to make something of himself? I mean, how thrilled were we when our hometown boy, Jake Elliott, helped his team win the Super Bowl a few years ago? Such was the pride of the Nazarenes for their hometown boy. If Jesus was special, they were special for having raised him up. Nazareth would be on the map as a respectable respectable and significant place. If only Jesus stopped while he was ahead. Jesus did not need the people to like him. What he did need was for them to hear the truth, no matter what it cost him. Jesus has just proclaimed that he has been sent by God. So to turn around and immediately tell these people that they would reject him was to tell them they would reject God. But the insult cuts even deeper than that. Jesus brings up two biblical narratives, one in which a poor widow is saved from starvation and another in which a Syrian is healed of an affliction. Both stories are about God extending care to Gentiles in need. Both stories embody the heart of the scripture Jesus read that morning. In these stories, the people who receive God's mercy are outsiders, nobodies. So you can imagine why initial proud amazement deflated like a day-old helium balloon. Jesus was telling his neighbors that his ministry was not for insiders, the people who have it all together, but for outsiders. Even more, he was telling them that there's no such thing as insiders and outsiders. And that, my friends, is a slippery slope. One day you're helping Gentiles, the next, You're hanging out with tax collectors and prostitutes and touching lepers with your bare hands. Jesus presents himself as the anointed one of God, but makes it clear right away that he is not what anyone expected. He's warning his neighbors that his ministry would bring shame upon the city of Nazareth. I guess if you rock the boat, you have to be prepared to be thrown overboard. Friends, I have been wondering what Jesus could say to us that could make us hate him enough to want to throw him off of a cliff. If we pay even an ounce of attention to what goes on in scripture, We know that Jesus isn't actually all that nice all the time. Still, we want to hear that we are forgiven, 
but not that we must sin no more. We want to receive mercy, but don't expect us to extend that mercy to others. We want to be rescued, but we don't want to share the story of our rescuing with our sisters and our brothers. So last year, during a words and music event, I fulfilled a long-standing dream. I showed a clip from the movie Talladega Nights at church. I honestly believe it is one of the most theologically astute scenes in popular film. And it is also very, very funny. A little blue in the humor. The main character, named Ricky Bobby, is a dunce, but he's also a rich and successful NASCAR driver. He and his family are sitting down to eat a meal of junk food, and he begins to pray. Dear baby Jesus, we thank you so much for this harvest, Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. His wife cuts in. Sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and all praying to a baby. He responds, well, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I am saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. Now, at this point, I don't always remember the scene quite as clearly because when Ricky Bobby starts up again, praying to the eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus, newborn and not even spoken a word yet, I am laughing so hard I can't breathe. But the reason it's so very funny is because it is actually revelatory. Ricky Bobby here readily admits he most likes the version of Jesus that doesn't say a word. Which is to say, he likes the idea of Jesus, not the Jesus who proclaims painful and unwelcome truths. God came too far to be with us, to ignore what God has to say. God became flesh and blood. We cannot reduce him to a handsome painting hung silently on the wall. Do we know Jesus well enough to make an educated guess what he might say to us if he stood before us today? Can we be honest enough to admit that it is within the realm of possibility that he might say some things that cause us to bristle? I suspect he might begin by reminding us we are called to love and to pray for our enemies. Wisdom that may well be sufficient to get one tossed off a cliff these days. Now, I have enough Lutheran friends to have learned that there is a universal flow to Lutheran sermons. No matter what the scripture or the topic, they begin with law and end with grace. Which is to say they begin by acknowledging human weakness and imperfection. 
and point to God's goodness, point to the difference between those two. Judgment is surprised by mercy. Fear is cast out by love. It isn't really just a Lutheran thing, though they definitely have the corner on explicating the gift of grace. So I want to take a note from my Lutheran sisters and brothers and say here, yes, grace has the last word. I believe this. But let us be clear that it is not cheap grace. Jesus doesn't walk back into the synagogue and say, you know what, guys, never mind. I am so sorry I offended you. The grace of God is free and priceless. Remember, after all, the deliciously offensive moral of the story. There are no outsiders when it comes to God's compassionate reach. There are no outsiders when it comes to grace. So let even the offended give thanks to our God.